Masechet Nazir Daf Yod Tet. We saw a long baraita at the end of the daf yesterday that brought three different opinions about when do you start counting um, after the purification. If someone, if a Nazir became Tameh, Lamet, and then purified himself, and now it's the um, the seventh day, he's uh, he sprinkled and went to the mikveh and cut his hair, and then on the eighth day he has to bring his korbanot. So at what point exactly on the eighth day will he start counting? That's the three opinions. We saw it to be Eliezer says right at the beginning of the eighth day, um, because at that point he is he potentially can bring korbanot. So even before he brings any korbanot. Already he starts counting, and therefore if it becomes Tameh again, before he brings the Korbanot, he's going to have to bring two sets of Korbanot in the, after the second cycle of purification. Hachamim, however, say no. It's not about potential. You have to actually bring it, but it's only the Korban Hatat. That's the main thing that, bring, that atones, and once he brings the Korban Hatat, the atonement is basically done, and therefore he starts counting immediately. So if he becomes Tameh after he brought a Korban Hatat, then he starts counting, and if he becomes Tameh again, um, uh, uh, right at that point, after he brings Korban Khatat, but before Asham, he still is going to have to bring an Asham because he already started counting, so he's going to have to bring a whole another set. Uh, at the end of the next cycle. So, for Tanakhama, the potential to bring, so that would be in the morning. Hachamim, it's after he brings just the Korban Chatat. And Rabbi Ishmael says, no, you need the Asham also. Chatat uh, and Asham are both necessary for atonement, and therefore, you don't start counting until you bring both of those, and it's, um, and that's only if you get become Tameh after both of the, those, and then you'd have to bring yet another set. After the whole, after the next uh, purification, but if it became tameh before bringing both the asham and the chatat, uh, then uh, it would be one continuous period of tumah, and you would not have to bring an entire new set at the end of those days. All right, good. Uh, what they one of the sources of Bishmael was is because it says by Yom Hahu on that day, and so that comes to exclude the Ola. What about the Ola? So according to Bishmael, the Ola actually also is an essential Korban, um, but the um, here to be Shmael, Lahu, why do you need Hahu? So that comes to say, all right, you know what, you don't have to bring the Ola. Even though it's an essential Korban, the Pasu comes to exclude the Ola, that that will not uh, be something that you need to bring in order to start counting. Um, and now Rabbanan said, no, the Ola is just a gift. You can bring an Ola anytime, it's just an extra gift. And that's why. I don't need to exclude it by the word ha-hu. Okay, this is going to make it important that even though both Rabishmel and Rabbanan do not think that you need to bring in Ola in order to make atonement, Rabbanan takes it for granted. Bishmel says essentially you do. It's just that the Pasuk says that you don't. All right, so that's going to be necessary to understand the next part uh, where we ask, Man tana leha, of those three opinions that we just saw, who would be the author of the following Braita de Tanura Banan? So a woman, she, a married woman, she uh, vowed to be a Nazir, and then after a few days, she became Tameh Lamet. 
after that point, the husband first heard about the vow. Um, the vow. Apparently, he didn't realize that his wife is, uh, you know, not drinking wine or whatever. He was away, or maybe they don't generally drink wine. So now he found out about this vow that she is a nizira, and he annuls it. Uh, we'll talk about in a second whether the that nullification goes retroactively, and she was never a nazir, or just from then on. Anyway, the Baraita says she has to bring only a hatata off and not olata off, right? So, uh, uh, any nazir who becomes tameh has to bring two birds. And uh, we saw before that hatat is essential and the ola is less essential. So, she brings a hatat and not the ola. Well, now, whose opinion is this following? has to be Ishmael. Remember, Rabbanan said, you could anyone should bring an ola because it's just a gift and uh, therefore it's not an essential thing that you have to bring but you can bring it always so therefore <clears throat> just like um any uh, any nazir uh, should bring a a, a korban ola um, because it's a gift. So too, this person, uh, this woman, uh, she should bring a korban ola. There would be no reason to say that she does not bring a korban ola. And therefore, it must be that this is Rabbi Ishmael, because he's the one that used the pasuk to exclude an ola, that someone who becomes, uh, who becomes tameh, um, uh, can start counting after the hatat, and the ola is not included in the necessary because not that's not necessary you don't have to bring it at all so it's kind of a paradox that because rabbanan uh, hold it in even less importance because it's just a gift and it's not necessary at all so said that it's equally necessary in all cases whereas it be ishmael um, who says that it's specifically excluded. Um, so that's why it's specifically excluded. So she would not have to bring it. All right. Now let's analyze further. Now, how does the annulment work here? If you think that the husband, when he annuls it, retroactively undoes the entire Nizirut, then she was never a Nizira, and therefore she should not have to bring anything, not the Hatata off either. Uh, so it can't be that because she does have to bring Hatata off. Um, but if you say that the husband severs it from now on, she was a, a, a nazira. She did become temeaz a nazira. Well, in that case, she should have to bring all of her, all the korbanot, all three, including the ola taof. So why would you make a distinction? Um, and the answer is the olam kasabad baal miakad akav. sabad la el azad hakapad. Really, it does as undone retroactively. That's why she does not have to bring an ola. She actually was never a, naz- a nazira. Okay, now why does she bring a khatat? That's for a completely different reason of the opinion of Rabbi El-Azhar HaKapar, who says in a famous baraita, Rabbi El-Azhar HaKapar, Rabbi Omer, in uh, Bimidbar 6.11, the context is someone who um, uh, suddenly uh, encounters uh, Tumat Met. It's not, 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 it doesn't have to be on purpose, even by, mista- even by mistake. Um, so has to bring these korbanot, right, to two birds. And um, and then vechiped Allah me'ashir hata al hanafish. Our question is, what do you mean he has to atone for what he sinned? against a, a, a person like what what happened did he kill someone what what kind of atonement is necessary why is why does he need to be atoned 
Uh, what, is, what does he have to atone for? Uh, so that's going to be our question. Right? Who did he? Uh, who, who did he inflict uh, uh, a, uh, an injury to? The answer is he caused injury to himself. That's also a problem, right? A person you can't just cause injury to yourself. You can't. Um, you can't gash yourself. You can't cut yourself. You can't um, harm yourself. And this person, a nazir, by taking a nazirut, he's saying, "I am not going to drink wine." And uh, that is a sin. You're inflicting uh, suffering upon oneself. So that's the chet is be, being a nazir altogether. Okay, so good. This is this is the me, uh, uh, primary source for the the neg- negative value of nazirut. And we can learn a kavachomer from this um, this nazir who uh, made himself suffer only by refraining from wine and is called a sinner. Someone who refrains from other things. Like all food, let's say, by fasting or other things by, uh, you know, wearing uh, sackcloth or uh, all kinds of other um, uh, ascetic practices that people do, all the more so. Okay, Rabbi Elizabeth Kapad seems to be saying this as a polemic against um, various ascetic groups. Then there were many in ancient times, um, uh, people that would fast often or, um, uh, you know, uh, subject themselves to um, extreme conditions and, uh, or or whip themselves or things like that in order to obtain atonement that the pain and suffering they would go through would give them atonement. And the Bielazakapad is not into that kind of religiosity. If Hashem gave gave something to you and is permitted, then you should enjoy that blessing that Hashem that Hashem offered you and uh, uh, concentrate on that which the Torah itself prohibits. And so just like you can't cause yourself uh, physical pain, um, and you know, by by gashing yourself to us as explicitly, so too other forms of uh, of uh, refraining from enjoyment that is permitted is itself a sin, even if it's only from wine. Okay, so that that's why that's why she has to bring a a korban. In other words, this woman. Since it was her nizirut is annulled, turns out she was never a nizira. Nevertheless, during that time period, she was refraining from wine. So just the fact that she was refraining from wine, even though it turns out she didn't have to and she was not a nizira, that by itself requires a korban chatat. So that's a pretty amazing idea. Okay, well, now we just uh, ask a question. Hold on, to something that doesn't make sense about Rabbi Elazakapar's derivation because that pasuk is talking about only a nazir that became tameh. But Rabbi Elazakapar, he, he his idea is is cited and is is applied to any nazir, even a nazir that's tahor. Let's say a nazir that's tahor the entire time he never became tamehmet. He also deserves to bring a korban hatat because he refrained from wine. So if the idea is just refraining from wine or any enjoyment, then it really doesn't matter the, that in fact they became Tameh, it should apply even to a Nazir Tahor. So why then, according to Beelzeb Kapad, is the Pasuk uh, only say it regarding uh, uh, a Nazir that became Tameh? Says, you're right, Beelzeb Kapad would agree that even the Nazir who's Tahor the entire time is also a sinner for refraining himself 
from enjoyment, causing himself to suffer. And the reason why the Torah specifically says it in the context of Nazir Tameh is because he's even worse. Now that he became Tameh, not only did he subject himself to suffering for those days that he already counted, now he's gonna, those are canceled, he's gonna have to redo them, right? If he was Nazir for 10 days, he became Tameh Lamet, now he has to do those 10 days over again. So now he's, he's making himself suffer even more than a Nazir who goes straight through. So that's why this guy is even worse, making himself suffer even more than he originally had in mind. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, someone's doing something negative to begin with and then does it wrong and then has to do it again. That's even worse. I don't know. Maybe someone does, uh, says, I'm going to do kaparot with a chicken, which uh, Shulchan Aruch is against. And then he goes and he messes up. He does it the wrong way. And so then he has to go do it again. So that's is even, even worse. Um, that's the idea here. Okay, now the Mishnah taught that if a Nazir was, he became a Nazir while in the cemetery, he left the cemetery um, and he came in again, uh, then he st- that starts his count. Once he leaves the ceremony, uh, leaves the cemetery, he begins the next Nizirut, and that's that's why when he enters again, he becomes Tamehmet once again, and uh, um, we'll have to bring another set of Korbanot. Katani olin lo min haminyan. Mishum diyasa hala le Nizirut. Now we're going to question the syntax here of the Mishnah. It says now he's to, he, he begins his count. Well, just because he left the cemetery, he's uh, he starts being a Nazir, that doesn't make any sense. He has to become Tahor, right? He says, I'm a Nazir while in the cemetery. Okay, he walks out, right? Uh, uh, if, you know, five minutes later, is he a Nazir? No, he's Tamei Lamet. So why should he start counting? He's still Tamei Lamet. He has to go through a purification process. Shemuel says, you're right. The Mishnah is just using shorthand, Yasa, Venichdas. But the word Yasa implies also that he left the cemetery, then he begot, began the, the Tahara process. He waited through three days. On the third day, he got sprinkled with Paraduma water. And then he did it again, Shana, on the seventh day. And he went to the Mikveh on the seventh day. And then he started counting the new cycle on that seventh day. And if on that day he went back into the cemetery, or on any day after that, then he, since he started counting a new cycle, he would have to bring a whole set of korbanot um, uh, um, after that. In other words, it starts a, it starts a new, because it starts a new cycle, then he has to bring korbanot. Uh, whereas if he just stayed in the, in the cemetery um, and never left, then he would not have to bring um, korbanot. Um, so that's the point. When it says left the cemetery and went back, it is not that he stepped out and came back in. Um, it would have to be that he stepped out, stayed out, remained tahor for seven days, did the whole purification process, began counting on that seventh day, and then went back in. Right? That's basically obvious, um, uh, but Shemuel is explaining it. Okay. Uh, so now the Gemara asks, hold on. Ela nichnas hu de olin, hu de olin lo min haminyan. Lo nichnas en olin lo min haminyan. Something doesn't make sense here. Are you telling me that only if he um, is in the cemetery when he becomes Nazir, he leaves, becomes Tahor, and then goes back in, only then do the days that he was Tahor count towards his Nazirut, but if he did not go back in the cemetery, then they don't count? That doesn't make sense. We want him to go out and stay out. 
of the cemetery. That's our hope. He leaves the cemetery, becomes Tahor, starts counting, and then eventually continues and counts until the end. So what, what does that mean? What, he has to go back in the cemetery? So the answer is, Though the Mishnah is using a, of course, this case, I'm, I, I'm assuming the simple case, um, I don't have to tell you that. I'm telling you the more complicated case. So, of course, if he leaves the cemetery, becomes uh, Tahor, and stays out of the cemetery, certainly that begins the count, and hopefully it'll continue till the end. Um, the point is, even if he goes back into the cemetery, where, uh, in that case, you might have thought, wait, he started in the cemetery, he went out for a while, now he's back in the cemetery, maybe we'll con- consider that all one long period of Tum'ah, and so he won't have to bring uh, Korbanot. Uh, uh, on the count, even though he started counting in the middle, and so this Mishnah comes to say, it comes to teach us the fact that he was out and tahor, he starts counting, and that's why when he goes back in the cemetery, that's a new uh, a new period of uh, or a new beginning of nizirut, and he would have to go through a process of purification and then korbanot at the end of it. Good. As a great conversation, um, where the uh, clarification of the Mishnah uh, here by Shemuel, um, uh, the uh, Rav Kana and Rav Aseh heard what Shemuel said and said, "Oh, that's a very important clarification of the Mishnah." So they went to their teacher, Rav, Rav and Shemuel, our contemporary first generation Amoraim in Bavel. And they asked Rav, hey Rav, when you taught us this Mishnah, how come you didn't explain uh, the explain to us uh, these words as Shemuel did? Right? We were um, we were we didn't know this. And so uh, Rav answers them sharply. Says, I thought that you probably don't need it. I thought that you were you know uh, uh, honor students. You were in the top shiur, and you could figure this out on yourself, right? By by yourself. Why would it be that if it was, so you see, uh, he starts off in the, in the cemetery and he walks out for a, a couple of days, um, then you would, he would start counting while he's Tameh, right? And why would you even think that? I thought it was obvious. I didn't even have to say it. But uh, apparently you belong in Shemuel Shior. Um, so you can, you can go down a level there. Okay, fantastic. I mean, it, it does show that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes um, uh, that we have to add, you know, we have to add explanations to the Mishnah, even though no Amoraim said it, but uh, because they assumed that it was obvious, because how else can you explain it? This is an important lesson for us too. Okay, to be Eliezer Omer, Lo bo bayom shene emar, vayamim adishonim, pilu atyu hayamim adishonim. In the Mishnah, the be Eliezer disagreed and said, you can't, uh, if he's only Tameh for one day, that seventh day after he left the cemetery, you don't count that as a new uh, as as a new start, such that if he went back to, into the cemetery on that day, he would not have to bring Korbanot. Rather, he has to be in a Tahor state, out of the cemetery, and Tahor, for at least two days. How does he know that? Because the Pasuk says, Hayamim adishonim The first days will be canceled. Uh, this is true in general. Any, any Nazir, who was Nazir for a while in Tahor, once it becomes Tameh, all the days that he had was canceled. We're going to learn something from each of these words uh, that are all plural. 
And right now, um, he's saying uh, the uh, the day the first days have to be plural in order for them to be even be considered anything that they would be canceled, and he would have to bring korbanot. And therefore, if a person, let's say in this case, he was a in the cemetery, and so he never started counting, and then he becomes tahor, and on the very day that he becomes tahor, he goes back in. The Eliezer says. That doesn't. It's not considered a new cycle. You have to have at least two days. You can't, you can't call it a count if you have only one. Or one. One number one is not a count. You have to have at least two. Good. Now we're gonna have a couple of clarifications of the Eliezer. First one is by Ula Amar Ula. Lo Amar Eliezer ela betameh shenazar ava benazir tahor shenitma afilu yom echad soter. Ula says Rabbi Eliezer is only talking about the context of the Mishnah. Which is some uh, Nazir became Nazir in the cemetery. That's like really bad, low level. So in order for him to uh, start, he has to be Tahor for a couple of days. That's where he said his law. However, if he started off Tahor and became Tameh, and then he does became Tamehmet, and then he does his uh, cycle, he counts, he, um, he does for, um, seven days of purification. On the eighth day, he'll bring his Korban, and he starts the new count on the eighth day, and then he becomes Tameh again. Um, in that case, he doesn't have to be two days a tahor. Even one day of a tahor will, um, he is a new cycle, will break and, and it's broken by becoming tameh, and he has to bring a whole other set of korbanot. So that's what Eliezer says. This waiting of two days is only for someone who never started off his nizirut. Okay, we're going to disagree with this now. First, we're going to bring his, his explanation of his source. Because Pasuk says, right, it's in this very context. On those very words that he made the derasha, harishonim ipilu, the first ones, the first days will be canceled. Days in plural is in the context of tameh nizro when he became uh, a nazir while tameh. That's why this only applies for to uh, someone who became a nazir in the cemetery. Then. He only begins counting after two. But if he already began counting because he was tahor, then only one. All right, that's how Rava explains it. But now Abaye is going to reject Ula's entire interpretation of Rabbi Eliezer. Itive Abaye. Hadeni nazir me'ayom. Here's a beraita. Someone says, I'm going to be a nazir for 100 days. And becomes tameh. Right at the beginning, right? The guy's very ambitious. Oh, I could do this for a hundred days. But then uh, the first day becomes Tameh. So is that called that it's canceled out and he has to bring all his korbanot? No. Because the Pasuk says the first days and he does not he does not have multiple days um that he already finished uh he doesn't have rishonim and therefore 
uh, we don't say that it cancels. Since it doesn't cancel, um, uh, it, uh, it he uh, just becomes tahor again, and there was there was no cycle. It's all one long cycle of tuma. And what you see here is that it says vinitma. He became tameh. That implies that he was tahor. So this um, this is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, right? It's the same derivation, same law. Chachamim do not agree with this. Uh, Chachamim would say no. Even one day. Uh, that very day that you started counting, if it become Tamanit, that was Machloka before exactly what, what time in the morning, after it brings Korban Chatat, but whenever it is, even that very day would be a new cycle. And you have to bring another set of Korbanot. So this is clearly not the opinion of Chachamim, it is, it'll be Eliezer, and it's talking about a case of Nitma. A person who was tahor and became tameh. Okay, so from this alone, this part of the Braita, we already see that the Ula's interpretation of Rabbi Eliezer is not correct. Okay, but we're going to finish the whole Braita. Nitma besof Now, what if it's all the way at the end, the last day, the hundredth day, he became tameh? Would that cancel out all the days? No. Because the pasuk, we're going to quote the same pasuk three times here, um, because the pasuk says the first days will be canceled. That implies that there are also ending days. Stay, some days still left. It doesn't say all the days will be canceled, right? So it's only canceled if partial day, only partial, uh, uh, only if a part of the whole um, has gone. Um, but in this case, um, there are there's no more days left because it is the very last day. And so Rishonim uh, has to implies that has to be Here there are no more no more days left, and therefore it does not get canceled. Even though he didn't do his purification process, his ending process yet of being a Nazir, still he got to the hundred mark, that's it, he locks it in. Okay, how about the day, day 99, right? Maybe you'll say there's some kind of a comparison between the, the first and the last, just like in the beginning, it doesn't start till day two. So maybe here, the 99, maybe was which way does it go? So you might think that the 99, day 99 um, would also not be canceled if it becomes time on day 99. Maybe that's close enough to 100. No, it's not. That's why the pasuk says um, So there has to be there has there have to be ending days, and this guy has ending days. The day day 99 and day 100. That's multiple. And so since there are still days left, he's still only partial uh, the way partially the way in. Um, so, since the 99 is the Rishonim, and that leaves more than one Acharonim, uh, it does get cancelled. Can lock it until 100. Okay, good. That's the end of the Braita. And now, we. this is the main challenge. Right, and so uh, Bayez explains in the first clause of the Braita, it's obvious that it's talking about, uh, you, you can't say that this whole Braita is talking about only a Nazir who started off Tameh because it says, quoting the Braita, uh, if someone says, I'll be a Nazir for 100 days, and he became Tameh at the beginning. So he became Tameh. And what's the, what's the law? 
um, about him. What's the verdict? It says that he has to have multiple days. So it's clear that this requirement of multiple days at the beginning applies not only to a Nazir in the cemetery, but to any Nazir who was Tahor and became Tameh later. And this is a refutation of Ula's interpretation of Rabbi Eliezer. Okay, good. Another clarification of Eliezer. When Eliezer says you need multiple days to have passed in order for it to be considered a count, such that he starts a new cycle and then has to bring korbanot. Um, there's two possibilities. Uh, does that mean that one day finished and he started the second day, so that's already plural because he's into the second day. Or maybe it means he has to have two full days that passed and has to start into the third. Yes, Rava didn't know the answer. So he came to ask Rava. Uh, this is a nice uh, parallelism because here Abaye rejected. Uh, uh, Ula, and, and, and thereby also rejected Rava's interpretation uh, of, of Ula, Rava's uh, support for Ula. So here, Abaye won and against Rava, but um, uh, down here, it's uh, Ula that doesn't know the answer, but Rava does. Okay, the Pasuk says that they will fall. Now, this is ambiguous what he even means by Yipilu. Is that, well, that's plural, so in these two full days, uh, some interpret that way. But let's follow the Rosh, who says, uh, says since it says Yipilu, um, and just means that more than one has to fall. And so you just need to start the second one, and that already fulfills the plural that you need um, because more than one are falling. All right, good. Now, uh, before we learned from the word yamim, that has to be plural, and now we're also learning from the word yipelu, that it means more than one. Now, isn't that the same thing? Can't we just uh, have one, one of these words uh, to learn that you need um, more than one day? Uh, no, yeah, we need both. I might interpret that to mean two full days. And I have to even start the third one. That's why it says, Yipilu, as long as more than one day falls, that's sufficient. If I had Yipilu, Yipilu suggests a, 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 a shorter time period, right? Just more than one. And so I might think that um, that Yipilu, just even one would be. And the plural of Yipilu is in many different cases of Nezirut, when this happens and becomes Tameh, uh, even on the first day. So that's why you need yamim, which is a bigger word and says, suggests a full day, full days. So that's why I need yamim to say that it's more than one. Uh, so they balance each other out. And uh, that way I know it's more than one and less than two full days. So that's one and a partial day um, already will be sufficient. So that to be as it would say, that's a new uh, period and therefore requires uh, so their own korbanot. Uh, usually this means nizirot harbe, that he has many nazir periods one after the other. Um, but here it does not mean that. And you can see from the manuscripts that they do not have the word harbe. Only the two printed editions have that. The three manuscripts have nizirut merube. So it's not nizirot harbe, many periods of being a nazir, 30 days, 30 days, but rather nizirut merube, a very long, period of Nezirut, of, you know, whatever, 100, 
200 days. Uh, we'll see now. Seven years. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. One period of long nezirut. And he finished his nezirut and then came to the land of Israel. In other words, he became a nazir and, and fulfilled his nezirut outside the land of Israel. This is not valid. Bet Shammai Omerim Nazir Shiloshim Yom, Bet Hillel Omerim Nazir Batechila. So he has to go back and be a Nazir again. The question is how long? Bet Shammai says just a minimum of 30 days. Bet Hillel says he has to do the whole thing all over again. If he became, was a Nazir for uh, two years and he did the whole thing, Outside land visitor has to do it again. Okay, the question is why? Uh, seems on the Doraita level, Torah doesn't say that you can't. You have to be in Israel to be a nazir, so you could be a nazir anywhere. Uh, anywhere. However, uh, the sages says that said that the lands uh, outside of Israel are tameh. Um, it could be understood in two ways. Either they're actually tameh met because there may be pe- uh, uh, people that are buried and we don't know where where they're buried. Maybe some Jews were killed in some place and, and uh, uh, buried and not marked or their, their uh, gravestones were removed. And so we have to suspect that maybe any place or uh, more likely it's more of a, a spiritual Tum'ah, that the rabbis want to emphasize the holiness of the land of Israel, encourage people to live in the land of Israel, and living outside the land of Israel is uh, spiritually and morally uh, impure, and there, but even though it's just spiritual, moral, not uh, ritually impure, nevertheless, uh, this uh, impurity impinges on Nazir, and uh, at least on the Darabanan level, that Nazirut has to be redone in the land of Israel. Okay, so that by itself is uh, super interesting, uh, but the point is you have to redo a part, according to the Bet Shemai, Bet Hillel here is actually more stringent, and says you have to redo all of it. Um, okay, if it is the Rabbanan, it is an amazing thing because that would mean that on a Deoraita level, he completed his Nizirut and would have to bring Korbanot right then and there. And it's the rabbis that say, no, do a whole other Nizirut and you don't have to bring Korbanot um, immediately when you come to the land of Israel. Um, but yeah, that's the power of the Rabbanan that they could say, Shevalta, say, no, don't do it now, do it later. All right. And there was exactly a case just like this uh, regarding Queen Heleni. Um, Queen Heleni, we know from lots of other sources as well. Um, she was from a little country called Adiabene in the Parthian Empire. And she and the royal family uh, all converted to Judaism. And they supported the Bet Mikdash and they even had a, a royal. Uh, a residence in Yerushalayim. We think that this is this is probably theirs, and here is the archaeological dig of her palace in Yerushalayim. Okay, but uh, so although she had a place in Yerushalayim, uh, she uh, uh, here at this point was living outside, um, up in the north, in Adiabene, and she her son went to war, and as people uh, often do, often did, uh, when they wanted uh, help for uh, for something to come to come through, like uh, someone get better, or in this case that her son her son should come back. Uh, in one piece from war. So in order to um, uh, get uh, heavenly mercy for that to happen, she took upon herself a vow that if the sun comes back peacefully, she will be Nazir for seven years. 
Sure enough, his son came back from war uh, just fine, and she became a Nazir for seven years outside the land of Israel. And then she came to she came to Israel to so that she could fulfill the korbanot. And Betilel told her, Oh, sorry, you did the did the Zirut outside the land of Israel, you have to do it again. But just so happens that that second round, she became Nazir all the way at the end of the seven years. She became Tamehmet all the way at the end of the seven years. And yeah, she had to do them all over again. And so she was a Nazira for 21 years. Rabbi Yudah says, no, no, the last part of the story did not happen. Uh, she just was for 14 years, the original seven outside the land of Israel. And she never became Tamehmet. So she just had to do another seven, so it was 14 altogether. Um, but it's interesting that she followed Betilel. All right, good. Now, um, uh, one point on this. Katani Resha, What is the reason for the Machloket between Bet who says only 30 days, and Betilel who says the entire period, you have to go all the way back to the beginning? Maybe they have different conceptions of what is the uh, uh, impurity of these foreign of foreign lands. That Bet Shammai says it's a lesser form of impurity. It's just the earth itself is tameh, but the airspace is tahor. Um, when it comes to tumat met, not only if you touch a dead body is it tameh, but even the airspace above is also Tameh, <clears throat> even if you're just jumping over it. And so that would be a higher level. So that's why Bet Shemai says it's a low level. And so it's uh, less Tameh, less chance that the person became Tameh if it's ritual impurity, or less Tameh level if it's spiritual impurity. And therefore, you just have to do the minimum of 30 days. Um, now we ask about that. So wait, that's implying that according to Bet Hilel, even the airspace, also, the rabbi said, it's that the, the, the uh, impurity of foreign lands is, is just like corpse impurity and even the airspace. Betila would not be so machmir. It's not really a cemetery. The whole land, all foreign lands are like, are really like a cemetery. No, even Betila wouldn't say that. No, everybody agrees that the uh, impurity of other lands is a low-level impurity. However, Bet Shammai said, when the rabbis came together and made a penalty, they said, listen, we don't have to penalize the person, person so much for living outside the land of Israel and doing the Nizirut outside. So they have to be a Nazir again, but the minimum amount of Nizirut, uh, some, uh, uh, like an unspecified Nazir. And Betilel says, no, they get a, a, big, a big penalty. And none of the Nizirut that they did outside counts, at least the Drabanan, and the penalty should be the entire period of Nizirut. And that's why uh, poor Queen, uh, Queen Helene had to be a Nazirah, Nazirah for either 21 or 14 years. Baruch Adonai Lodam. Amen v'amen.